Hello, I'm Mark Weaver, president of Mark Weaver & Associates Interior Design. I'd like to invite you to our Instagram Live series called Designers at Home. It's every other Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. It's a casual, informative, and exclusive discussion with renowned architects, interior designers, and artists from around the world. This half-hour podcast program is a recording of the live talk addressing all things design and architecture related, along with personal anecdotes and inspiration. Guests have included Emmy-nominated set decorator Peter Gursky, one of America's leading sculptors, Sabin Howard, renowned architect and artist Leo Marmel, and art advisor extraordinaire Barbara Guggenheim. We look forward to you joining us. Thank you. And welcome to Designers at Home. I'm Mark Weaver. I hope everybody is enjoying this incredible spring weather we're having. Uh, It's just everyone is finally able to get around. I think next week masks are no longer required and everybody is able to get around and breathe fresh air. And it's so exciting to get out and be able to have dinner with people again. So take advantage. Today we have a wonderful guest, Jillian Rose. So let me tell you a little bit about Jillian. She's going to join us in a second. Jillian Rose is a color scientist, interior designer, and keynote speaker who creates synergy between color and our environment. Um, She attended Parsons School of Design and has a Bachelor of Science in Environmental Science. In 2009, she started the Science of Color with a purpose to broaden our, our color horizons through design work and color consultancy. The science of color provides a neuropsychological approach to light and color in the fields of interior design, architecture, industrial design, and communications. Now, that probably sounds very esoteric, and I think Jillian will explain that to us and make it very simple. So I know I have a lot of questions about color and how it affects people, why certain people prefer certain colors, and I think she's going to address all these issues for us. So she'll be starting, uh, let's see, um, I think she's trying to connect now, so just give us a a couple minutes. Um, You know, it's always interesting to me um, why one client will prefer blues, the next client will prefer um, darker colors or, or moodier colors, perhaps grays and um, muddier colors. And um, there's a psychological reason for all that. And that's one of the things I was discussing with Jillian. So. Uh, Hello. Oh, finally, we got it. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I heard you talking about your blue shirt. All right. So I was telling him the story about you um, calling me several months ago. I was saying that the reason I'm wearing a blue shirt is because you had advised me to wear blue. So why, why did you tell me to wear blue? Well, <laughs> when it comes to clothing, I mean, part of it is the colors that we're drawn to and that we like, but also a big part of it is what colors work with our skin tone. Right. And so um, black is very hard, especially here in Los Angeles, because of the quality of light that we have. Mm -hmm. And it sort of sucks the light out. And so it sucks the light out of us as well, unless we've got a lot of makeup on, 
which thankfully you did not have. <laughs> well, I, I hope I look okay in the blue shirt and you approve, Jillian. It looks fabulous because it brings out the sort of pinkness of your skin. Oh, well, thank you. So <laughs> um, it's nice to have you this morning, Jillian, and I look forward to our talk. So um, tell us, how did your fascination with color begin? Well, from my earliest memory, really, um, you know, I was very sick for most of my childhood and isolated and hospitalized. Uh -huh. And I was able to figure out by playing with magic markers, really, that I could find colors that would make me emotionally feel better. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was emerald green. And I learned that if I put that anywhere that I needed it, I would feel better. And what do you think it was about the emerald color that affected you so powerfully? Well, I didn't know then, but having studied color science, I know mm -hmm. now, is because um, we all need a certain amount of stimulation to feel balanced. Mm -hmm. And some of us need more and some of us need less. And, and it's based on our temperament, which is part of our being, that's part of our DNA. And it, it defines how much stimulation we need to feel balanced, whether it's color, whether it's sound, whether it's tactile, any of it. I'm just, you know, studying the color aspect. Yes. So I know from my, I've learned from myself in my temperament, I'm an introvert, which means I need less um, vibrational color. And I need cooler tones, not warmer tones. So it's interesting because I've always also been able to look at any color from my earliest memory and tell you what it's made up of. So it's just intrinsic to how I think and how I am. But studying color science was obviously fascinating. But it didn't really change what I did for myself. Mm -hmm. It just gave me the, an understanding of how I function and what I need. Right. Now, I'm sure that everybody reacts to color differently. For instance, I may react to the emerald green um, very differently than you do. Of course. Is that correct? I mean, That's no, and we probably don't see color similarly. You know, don't. I don't know if this is true or not, but I was told years ago that about a third of men are blue-green colorblind. It's actually ten, yes, it's 10, it's 10%. 10%? Because I know that when we're doing schemes, um, my associate, Daryl, and I, we'll get in knockdown brag outs about <laughs> when we get to blues and greens. I'll go, this is too blue or it's too green. And he goes, there's no green in that. And I know that we, we're perceiving these colors very differently. We are. And one of the reasons in particular between men and women seeing color and uh -huh. women historically see more color ranges. And why men. is that? Because, great question, because our color uh, memory is passed down through our mothers. It's passed down through the X chromosome. So as women, we have two chromosomes, X chromosomes. And men only have one because they have a Y. And that's the greatest reason why men and women see much difference in the amount of shades they see. So it has a, uh, there's a genetic reason for it. Absolutely. So, um, so it is a science. So let me ask you, <laughs> Jillian, what is 
color science. Can you explain that to us? Okay, I will do my best. Okay. Uh, to stay on the planet. <laughs> so it's really the study of neuroscience and how we respond to really what we're talking about is the vibration of color. Right. Because we feel color even if our eyes are closed. Mm -hmm. So it's the vibration. So um, different things happen to us, as, as I sort of touched on a little bit about how introverts and extroverts need different amount of color to feel balanced. Well, one of the main things that happens to us is for the extrovert, when they get the amount of color that they require to feel calm, uh, the neurotransmitter dopamine gets released. And when introverts get the amount of color that they need, a different neurotransmitter called acetylcholine gets released. And that's really, you know, that those affect our emotions, our sleep, our behavior. Mm -hmm. They're so significant. But all we're really taught in, you know, schools is whether we like or dislike a color. Right. But when you talk about introvert and extrovert, you're not talking about the personality aspect of it, are you? I'm not. That's a great question. And, uh -huh. and I don't really know why, but in, in psychology and in neuroscience, they both use these terms, introvert and extrovert. And they have different meanings. So in psychology, which is most of what we've come to understand in pop psychology and things like that, is that introvert and extrovert is directed to our personality. Mm -hmm. And our personality evolves. In neuroscience, introvert and extrovert is about our temperament. It's purely about how much stimulation we require to feel balanced. So one thing that's really fascinating, at least to me, is that you can be an extrovert in personality and an introvert in temperament. Hmm. Or they can be the same, but there's a, you can be a variety of things. One does not mean the other. And where did, the, um, where did color science originate? Was there somebody who came up with this concept? Is this a relatively new concept? Has it been around for decades? Well, actually, um, Johann Goethe was the first person in 1810 to write mm -hmm. about this. And, you know, he was a great philosopher in every yes. aspect. Uh -huh. But he was the first person to establish that we had emotional responses to color. Right. And then um, scientists have worked since, and one of them is Dr. Henry Freeling, who in, in the 1930s established uh, the School of, Psych of Color Psychology in Germany. Yes. And they were able to further establish that not only do we have emotional responses to color, but we have all these physiological responses. And so the organization that I studied with was founded by Dr. Freeling. Okay. So, um, Jillian, could you give us an example of um, somebody's reaction to a color? Let's say that, um, you know, I, I know what colors please me. I know what colors agitate me. I'm very aware of it. Maybe a little bit yes. more than the average person because right. it's my business uh, yeah, as a course. designer. Of so, course. But um, let's say I'm looking at a particular shade of blue. Um, what physiologically happens to somebody when they, with that experience? Great question. So 
color is also light, obviously. We can't have color without light. Enters through our eyes. That's the portal. And it goes to a part of our brain called the hypothalamus. Uh And the hypothalamus is the one that determines whether what's which sense it is, whether it's, you know, sound or scent or sight. And then it further um, refines it to tell us whether we want to be near that color or whether we're repelled from that color. Right. And it's a reflex, just like when the doctor, when you, in the olden days, when you would go to the doctor and he would tap your knee with that little hammer thing and your knee would jump up as a reflex. This is exactly like that. It's not a cognitive thought. It's instantaneous. What we do with it is depending on how aware we are about our surroundings. But that's what actually happens to us. Well, it, it makes perfect sense to me because I know um, I'll walk into a restaurant and if I don't have the right table or the lighting is incorrect, if the furniture isn't pleasing, if they want to seat me by a service station or next to the bathroom door, I, I'll walk out. I know that I'm not comfortable. And, you know, it's always been interesting to me if you watch a dog walk into a room, they'll walk into a room and they'll walk around the room, they'll look around, they'll sniff. And they'll find a place that feels right to them. And if it doesn't, they'll walk out. And exactly. we as human beings do the same thing, right? And Again, I'm sure color is one of the elements that plays a major part in that. Not only major, color is 80% of our visual perception. 80. Why so large? Because of its impact, the vibration, it's the biggest impact of anything that we have. Again, it's mirrored with light, you know, so it it impacts us the the greatest in any situation at all times. And you and I touched on on this about a little bit earlier, that color often is trivialized as an accessory or fashion or... You know, I've worked for many, many firms over the course of my career. Mm-hmm. And very often the rule of thumb was to do all the, you know, design work and all the, you know, brain work and then just like apply a color. And for our process, it's completely the opposite. So we do the analysis about, well, how do you want to feel in your space? What do you want if it's a it's a public or multi-purpose space? What do you want people to be doing in this space? How do you want them to function? Again, it's about feeling. It's about um, giving direction through vibration. And so we go through this whole analysis. And then what's interesting, I think, to a lot of people is the application or the determination of the color is the final step. It's not the first step. Oh, really? In, in, in commercial spaces, in where okay. you're dealing with color, sorry, when you're applying um, color discussing this, whether it's a commercial project or residential, is it a different approach for the two completely. or is it the same? It's completely different. One is. is personal and about the, the person or the family. Right. And the other is about 
a, a lot of people. So there's a lot of temperaments. There's a lot of um, aspects that need to be considered. There's a lot of different spaces, like some spaces are for contemplation. Some spaces are for collaboration. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of, it's just like any programmatic uh, agenda when it's commercial. You have to really delve into what is the intention? What do you want people to feel in which spaces? And to, to break it up so that both an introvert and extrovert will feel comfortable. So it's really about creating zones within zones in those cases. But with the residential, it's purely about how do you want to feel in your space? Mm -hmm. And when, when someone retains your services, I mean, you just explained a little bit about the procedure and how you go through it. Um, do you find that people generally have the same reaction or different reactions to your recommendations and ideas? Well, you know, part of what has been sort of my challenge is mm -hmm. educating people onto the, the, of the importance of this. Mm -hmm. So the people that do retain me are already on board. And okay. it's, it's interesting that I work with a lot of doctors people in the field of science already know some aspect of this. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're bought, they're bought in. Um, but it's really about, you know, and now we have, you know, issues about people not wanting to come back into the office, safety issues, security issues, all kinds of things. Um, so really color is, you know, the most holistic, least invasive, um, least expensive way of creating environments that will be nurturing people as they re-enter the workplace. Okay. So um, I have a question for you, Jillian. Sure. Um, we're talking about color and maybe everyone assumes color is blues and greens and pinks and oranges and whatever. And, you know, myself personally, um, and every, all my friends joke about it. Well, Mark, every house you have is white. And um, is white considered a color in your world? Uh -huh. My world. Um, and, you know, one of the things that Goethe, who I follow, had said um, is that white can be quite isolating because color's main purpose throughout evolution is to stimulate our minds. Right. But what he was referring to, if I may speak for him, <laughs> is pure white without any additional pigments. And so, you know, I'm sure, and I've seen your work and I can see some of it, you know, even the whites have some pink in it or some green in it, or I can see they're very complex whites or not just white. And what's great about those, and I use them as well, and I'm drawn to them myself, which people think is funny as a color scientist to be drawn to white. But I, what I do in, and in my paint collection is I create very complex whites. So there might be five or six colors in that white. Right. And our psyches are so sophisticated that you take a gallon of white paint and you put a couple drops of red it's not perceivable to your eye, but it is perceivable to your hypothalamus. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's emotional too. You... Of course. And it's, yeah. it, again, it's a visceral, it's a reflex. 
it's not, you don't think, oh, this is making me sad. You're sad. Right. You know? So um, you have a, a paint collection um, called Color Our World. I do. I didn't hear you. My internet went out. For oh, sorry. I had a phone call and this interrupted. Oh. <laughs> um, I was going to say your paint collection, which is called Color Our World. Where is this available to people? Well, um, in Los Angeles, it's available through, available through Cox Paints. Cox Paints. Okay. Yes, and it's in the, uh, the fine paints of Europe uh, makeup. Um, so when you put this collection together, how did you go about selecting colors and the tones of the colors, whether they're clear, muddy, true? Um, how did you go about establishing what colors you wanted to create and put in in the collection? Great question. Well, just to step back a little bit, I'm one of the lucky ones in the very early days, in the late 80s and 90s, that I got to work with Donald Kaufman. So my, my first mentor was Naomi Leff. Mm -hmm. And all of our projects, we brought Donald in. So I learned about the aesthetics of color and the full spectrum of color. And then combining that with neuroscience and that we learn that gray, and I'm only talking about the pure mix of gray, black and white, not complex grays as we just addressed with the whites, actually sap our energy. And they are sort of like a veil over a color. So it's, it's slowing down our response to that color. And I like to think of it almost like a cocktail. And it's not that I don't enjoy a cocktail, because I do. But <laughs> cocktails, you know, we think of as calming. But in neuroscientific terms, they're numbing. Really what they're doing is they're numbing our senses. But we feel that it's calming. And that's the same thing that happens with gray. So my color collection, unless they're specifically gray colors, have the absence of gray in them so that you are having an instant visceral response. And the other thing I had to do, which as designers, we, we always you know try to do is to not have it based about me. Not, I not didn't hear. To not have it be the color palette be based about me. Oh, yes. It's not about me. Right. You know, and so I had to broaden and include, you know, much more extroverted colors that I would typically use, but they're ones that I aesthetically like. And I've used, you know, I've, I've had been doing interior design for 30 years. So I know a lot about what colors work in certain volumes and in certain light. And as you, I'm no, I know, you know, you can have a color that you love. And you think, oh, you know, I'll put it somewhere else. And it looks like a dog's breakfast. It doesn't work. No. You know, it just doesn't work. It's yeah. because of the light and the volume. Right. Light has a tremendous effect on color. I know that when Absolutely. we're putting a scheme together and we think we've, um, you know, achieved genius and you take it to the project, which might be at the beach, it might be in the mountains, it could be in New York, wherever. And you look at it and you think, Oh my God, was I, was I drunk when I put this together? <laughs> it just changed completely. Also, I've noticed that when you're shopping in showrooms, the lighting is different in the showrooms. You oh. get it back to our office and it takes on a completely different color. So lighting is, is essential 
um, in working with color. And whenever I, in creating this color palette, and it was a year and a half in development, and with any really color fabric, whatever it is, I always make sure it works in daylight. Because if it works yes. in daylight, uh -huh. it's going to work most places. I mean, now they have these new light things that I can't quite get around because they're so blue. But um, a good rule of thumb, if it works in daylight, it's going to work. Okay. So, Julian, just a little bit ago, you were mentioning complex grays and complex whites. Can yes. you clarify what you mean by that? Sure. So it just means many colors. It's uh -huh. a complicated word for many colors. So, you know, if you want a light, which I call white is really light tone. And, um, you know, you take into consideration location because again, the light is the most important thing where it is. And that's why when I do um, home consultations it has to be in their home because I have to see their light. Because uh, it doesn't work if I figure out something somewhere else and bring it to them. Um, so it's about introducing all kinds of colors in creating. It's like a recipe. It's like a delicious cake recipe. You want yes. a lot of ingredients where you may not be able to, unless you're a chef, you may not be able to distinguish all the flavors that are in there, but they work. They work. So, you know, one of the wonderful things about um, design, architecture, anything related to the world of design is, um, and I learned this early on, is that we have the ability to change people's lives. We do. And it's wonderful. We create for them lifestyles. We make their, their homes, their offices, their businesses um, function properly. And when somebody has a well-designed space, it really is life-changing. It is. Um, again, like you mentioned earlier, it's, it's a visceral thing. You feel it. It's an emotional thing. So, um, and I know for me, that's one of the most rewarding things is to um, have a client tell you how you've enriched their life by, you know, our, our talents and our gifts. So how has your work changed people's lives? Well, I think in, in greater ways than they ever realize. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, I'm just changing one room, you know. Um, but they, they write to me years later and say how it's changed their lives, that they feel um, at peace when they walk home. They're able to do whatever it is that their intention was in the space. They're happier. Their relationships are better. You know, we're, we all do much better when we're in surroundings that reflect who we are yes it's that's so important it's so basic but it's so important it is. you know <laughs> um you know going back to what i said about going into a restaurant if i'm not comfortable in the setting i will not enjoy the evening absolutely there's an, there's an underlying discomfort and I leave and I'm happy to leave and, and go home. And, and that's why our, our home environments and our business environments are so important because we spend our lives during these times. And, you know, it's, it's all about the comfort of furniture, color, light, and all of these elements that play an essential part. Absolutely. So now I notice, um, 
Miss Color Science. I know that your background, like mine, is white. Yes. So is that by choice or is it by accident? Well, in this case, it's um, a little by accident uh -huh. because I don't own this home. Okay. Um, but when my last apartment in New York, I had uh, my, I, um, you know, I love color. It's not that I don't love color. I just can't take so much of it at once. Right. And I happen to love lavender. And so I made, I painted my foyer lavender because you get your little jolt, your fix of that color, and then you're out of that room. You're not living in that room. Exactly. Right. And the rest of the rooms were more sort of limestone colors and, you know, topes and river rock colors and things like that. Um, but yeah, but, but, you know, the more we learn about ourselves, which is what I love about what I do, the more you can really hone in on exactly, well, what do I want to feel like in this room? And what do I want to feel like? And it's a scope for yourself. Oh, that's great. So um, let me ask you a question. Sure. Um, why do you do this work and what is your ultimate goal? Okay, that's a great Obviously, question. you're passionate about what you do. I am. I and am. knowledgeable. Thank you. I am. You know, my, my, my purpose is to create balance and harmony for humanity. And I feel that, and I've worked on like homeless shelters and low-income housing, and those are amazing rewards for me because those people can't, couldn't typically afford to hire me. But I can change their lives just by the color of their front door, you know, their entry, what shade is being yes. used. And that brings me happiness. And I really love creating environments both residential and commercial that are for more than one temperament. Like for me, that's fun. And to yeah. be able to see, like when I did a condominium development in New York and to be able to walk, cause I'm a people watcher, which I know you are. Yes. <laughs> and to be able to sit back and, you know, not watch the dog, but to um, watch where people choose to sit. And I, that makes me feel incredible because I've given those people a place to sit where they might not have if I hadn't been on the Right. Road. Yeah. That, that is, it's very rewarding, isn't it? It is. So um, this is so, this is really fascinating. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I wish we could go on forever, but, you know, <laughs> we have time constraints. Is there something that you'd like to say to leave to our guests or that we haven't covered? Is there something you'd like to mention? Yeah, I think that, you know, for most people, when, when they hear a conversation about color science, mm -hmm. they've been unaware. They didn't know that this even was a thing. They didn't know how they respond. And I just think to, it, the one thing I would suggest to people if they want to learn more about themselves is to just think about how do I want to feel? You know, start with that. Because with everything I do, as I said, I start with the emotion and the physiological response and color is the last part of the step. Well, that's wonderful advice to leave us with. So, um, by the way, you look um, glorious in your rose colored 
um, Klaus, <laughs> and there's been several several people that have mentioned it. I oh, love nice. Jillian in that pink blouse. So Aww. apparently you picked the right color for yourself too, Jillian. Yeah, a lucky guess, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Jillian, somebody wants to talk to you, um, consult with you. What is the best way for them to get in contact with you? Really my website, um, it's, it's very comprehensive gives a lot of information about the different aspects I offer and it also goes into what neuroscience you know what it means and gives you sort of a little um, glossier of, of what I'm doing uh, so it's it's uh, the science of color.com the science of color.com all right well that's great and I, I advise everyone to take a look at Jillian's website you're definitely going to learn something and you <laughs> might discover something about you that you didn't know, right? And that's the reward for everyone. Right. Okay. Thank you so much, Jillian. This was fun. I wish we could go on for another hour because I, I have a whole <laughs> list of questions I, I didn't get a chance to well, ask. Maybe we can do that off camera. All right. But thank you. This has been lovely. I love your show anyway. Um, and it's been really fun. And thank Great. you for inviting me. Thank you, Jillian. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, everybody, um, I, I know you found this informative, and I hope you found um, Jillian as interesting as I did. So um, in two weeks, on the 25th, we have Amanda Gates, who is going to be discussing feng shui. And this is another fascinating aspect of design, which affects design, architecture, interiors. So take a journey with us and discover how this knowledge can change your life, your happiness, emotions, your relationships, and more. And remember, if you can't join us live on our um, program here, you can go on our Instagram account, our YouTube, or our podcast, all under Mark Weaver and Associates, and you can go on these anytime. So thank you for joining us, and we hope to see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Designers at Home. Follow us on Instagram at Mark Weaver and Associates to listen to live or subscribe to this podcast. If you found this podcast valuable and insightful, share it with your friends, comment, and subscribe. We are also on YouTube at Mark Weaver and Associates. Thank you.